Foreigner was one of those bands back in the day that took its sweet time in the studio. It might not be fair to point the finger at the band itself because it was the notoriously finicky producer Mutt Lang who was steering the ship. But team him with Foreigner leader Mick Jones, almost as finicky himself, and that adds up to a long, expensive gestation for the album that has come to be known as Foreigner 4, released 40 years ago on July 2nd, 1981. It took about 10 months, counting pre-production, maybe the best part of a year, explained Jones to the magazine Classic Rock Presents AOR, pointing out that Foreigner's 1977 debut LP had taken nine months, their second, 1978's Double Vision, about six months, and their third, 1979's Head Games, probably almost the same again. So Foreigner was on brand when Foreigner 4 took about 10 months. A bit of context. Foreigner was a success right out of the box. In the U.S., their self-titled debut of 1977 sold 5 million copies and reached number 4. A year later, their second effort, Double Vision, made number 3 in the U.S. and moved 7 million copies. So when third album, Head Games, released in 1979, stalled at number 5 on the Billboard chart and only went quintuple platinum, 5 million sold, Something was deemed to have gone horribly wrong. Mick Jones says this, quote, That did start the thinking that we needed to be positive about our identity on the fourth album. Okay, we'd beaten the jinx of the first album being a flash in the pan with Double Vision being so strong, but I think on Head Games we really went into excessive mode. The drugs came into the picture a bit too much there, so we kind of had a massive hangover after that album. I look back on it and I think it wasn't quite focused. We try to toughen the image of the band with Dirty White Boy and Head Games itself, but that's where the question about where we were going originated. English bassist Rick Wills, formerly of Peter Frampton's band and Roxy Music, had joined the lineup for Head Games, replacing Ed Gagliardi, had a few concerns. In some ways, he said, after the first two Foreigner albums, Head Games was something of a departure in style and form. It was a bit more heavy and rocky, and that didn't go down so great with everybody. And, of course, we had that very controversial album cover. The album cover, if you recall, featured a girl caught in the act of wiping her phone number off a toilet wall in a public washroom but it was perceived by some as something a little bit more provocative. And a lot of American record stores refused to stock it because of that. This is in the 70s. Will says, I think we sold a lot less of that album for that reason alone. So he was thinking maybe the band was almost out of gas. Jones was more concerned that the demands of keyboard player Al Greenwood and ex-King Crimson multi-instrumentalist Ian McDonald to be included in the songwriting process would weaken the band. Greenwood... He was let go first. McDonald followed soon after. Years later, actually, when the band reconvened in mid-2010 to rehearse some new songs, McDonald was there, but the lineup was soon pared back down to four, which is part of the reason for the Foreigner Four title. Will says, I hadn't expected this. Mick had said to me he wanted more freedom to bring other musicians in to experiment, especially with keyboards, because this was the era when people were beginning to do amazing things electronically. Mick, who was never one to stand still, wanted to try things out because he thought that was the way forward. For his part, Jones says, quote, It was a tough time emotionally. Ian was a close friend, but Lou, Lou Graham, lead vocalist, of course, and I just felt that we had hit our stride writing together and we wanted to really start to maximize on that. We talked at length about it and had a fairly clear vision of where we wanted to go, so it was a question of being a bit ruthless. We felt we wanted to focus. Of course, a crucial clog in the creation of any album is who will fill the role of producer, the one tasked with pushing the band both to be better and with keeping the project on the rails. Robert John Mutt Lang had most recently steered ACDC to consecutive multi-platinum successes with Highway to Hell and Back in Black, and he was brought on board. But Jones had been a fan for a long time. 
He says, Mutt first caught my attention when he produced a band called City Boy way back, and he had applied to do the Head Games album, actually. He came over to New York to see me, but it was just a question of bad timing, so we chose Roy Thomas Baker. But Mutt was always in the back of my mind, so when he reapplied for the fourth album, that was it. Jones and Lang both had a 100% commitment to making absolutely the best record possible and refusing to stop until they were sure they had. For both men, that meant it was all about the songs. Jones says, the songs are the basis of everything. They always were with this band. I always set out to make albums that you could listen to from beginning to end without filler. English engineer Tony Platt, a man who worked with Mutt on a number of albums before Foreigner 4, said, Lang is always artist-led. Quote, one of Mutt's absolute talents, and it's an exceptional talent, is insisting upon getting the songs right. And he wants to get the songs right before you go into the studio, so you're starting from a very strong perspective. In fact, the Foreigner 4 album got put back a couple of times because Mutt didn't feel the songs were quite in the right shape. Lang later became legendary for his painstaking, particular note-by-note work with Def Leppard, but was still a relatively unknown quantity to Jones, who insists he was unaware that these methods might be used on Foreigner. He said, I knew he was really into sound, but he was dedicated, he was very serious. He really showed incredible enthusiasm. In fact, Lang asked to hear the ideas that Mick considered unfinished was not something that Jones felt comfortable doing, inviting this stranger into his previously private world of tape bits and pieces. Mick says Lang forced his way into his private world. He said it was the first time I'd ever let anybody in there. In some cases, he was hearing stuff I thought was embarrassing, but he wanted to hear every single thing I had, even if it was only a 10-second snippet. Out of that process, Jones says, we put Urgent together. It began as just an instrumental passage that I had, the thing that became the intro, but I didn't know what I was going to do with that. I thought it might become some sort of weird instrumental. Mutt also helped put Jukebox Hero together. It was originally two separate songs. Lou had one idea called Take One Guitar, and I had the Jukebox Hero thing. And Mutt helped us to gel the two. One of the songs that was helping them all to focus on the job at hand was a ballad. Wills says, quote, Mick tended to write most of the songs on a piano using mostly the black notes, so everything was in sharps and flats, and a little bit weird when it came time to transpose them to the guitar. As I recall, it was fairly bitty at first. I don't know what that means, but I guess we can infer. But one song he did have completely finished was Waiting for a Girl Like You. The first time they played it to me, I said, well, if that isn't a hit, I don't know what is. Jones actually gets a little bit emotional, as he recalls, the making of that song. He said, quote, Waiting for a Girl Like You almost wrote itself. That was the first time I had a really serious emotional experience. It was overwhelming. From the moment we put down the basic track and Lou added a scratch vocal, I found it hard to be in the room without breaking down during the playbacks. It was such a strange sensation. I really got the feeling that something was coming down through me and I was just the conduit. It was the first time I'd got in touch with what I heard other writers or artists talk about. That song would, of course, change everything, but so would the band's choice of producer in Lang. Jones had taken both co-production and musical direction credits for the first three albums, always fully involved, but he was also keen to gain a respected second opinion on a song, or a third if it was co-written by Lou Graham. All of the songs on the album are compositions by Jones and or Lou Graham. The guys let go from the band, McDonald and Greenwood, had played sax and keyboards respectively, so several session musicians were needed to replace them. Among them, Junior Walker, who played the sax on the bridge to Urgent, and a young Thomas Dolby, unknown at the time. Of course, he would later have a successful solo career, his biggest hit being She Blinded Me With Science.
Ultimately, the numbers would prove out that 4 4 was worth all the hours, days, weeks, and months in the studio, all the deadlines missed, all the budgets broken. The album that took 10 months to make enjoyed 10 weeks at three different times, collectively at number one on the Billboard charts, starting on August 22, 1981 and ending in February of 1982. American sales exceeded 6 million. It remains the band's bestseller in the UK, getting to number five. Of the six singles released in the US, only the last one, Luann, in 1982, failed to go top 30. And perhaps most importantly of all, 40 years later, all 10 of the songs on the album still resonate, which is why we're making it the latest inductee into the Drive Rock of Fame. I'm Kelly Parker.